Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, June 21st, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film editorial director, Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film weekend editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And senior writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? Okay, we, we have four stories today. But uh, let's just jump right into them. We'll start off with the 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 big name, the big cheese himself, Steven Spielberg. He's notoriously been kind of against films evolution towards the streaming platform. <laughs> he, he wants to keep the cinema alive, but he he has signed a deal with Netflix. Tell us about it, Ben. Yeah, so his company, uh, Amblin Partners, is a production company, and they have signed a deal with Netflix to produce multiple movies a year for the streaming service. Um, that sort of, you know, if you stopped there, people might draw the conclusion, holy shit, like Steven Spielberg is only going to be making movies for Netflix moving forward. And that is not actually what's happening here. Um, in, in actuality, Amblin Partners also has a separate distribution deal with Universal, which is uh, specifically for theatrical stuff. And that was re- renewed as recently as December of 2020. So he's still going to be releasing movies theatrically. Um, I mean, even though that deal was with Universal, Spielberg himself is sort of still 
a essentially a free agent uh, over the past few years. He's made movies for Warner Brothers and 20th Century Studios and Disney. So he's not necessarily locked into any one specific place, but this new deal uh, will allow Amblin partners to make a bunch of movies for Netflix uh, for, you know, uh, several per year. There's no specific number. There's no specific titles, um, you know, listed yet. Um, but yeah, this is kind of a, uh, just a way, it sounds like a way of for Spielberg to sort of lean more into the streaming space and you know this guy even though he he has been fighting for the theatrical experience for a long time he can probably see the writing on the wall here he knows how important streaming is so um it just makes business sense for him to uh you know tie one of his companies to um the biggest most dominant force in the streaming space right now yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, it's not just movies he's directing. Amblin produces a lot of stuff that, you know, he he's just a, a producer or executive producer on like the Jurassic World movies, A Dog's Journey, Men in Black International, Cats. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, the untitled fifth Indiana Jones film. I'm not sure if any of those are part of this deal or not, but um, yeah, it's interesting to see. I mean, you're right, Ben. This does not like he's not signing an exclusive deal with the streaming service. If he did that, that would be, I think, huge news. But this does feel like he's relenting a little bit, right? Because I don't know. I don't feel like Chris Nolan would ever do this. Yeah, and I think Spielberg. This, this is like sort of a continuation of him like dipping his toe in the water because you know way back in I think it was 2017 he signed a deal with Apple TV Plus to produce some stuff for them, um, and he also, if you recall, was uh, was associated with Quibi for a little while. He was supposed to make that show <laughs> where um, I think it could only literally be watched at certain times of night. It was going to be like a horror series, and that never ended up ended up happening because Quibi died essentially before <laughs> before Spielberg had an opening in his schedule to be able to have enough time to produce and, and make I think he was supposed to direct that show um, so that never happened but he you know he, he has um, worked in the streaming space before uh, and yeah this just basically seems like another way to um, yeah another avenue for for these Amblin projects to uh, yeah. to sort of go down but usually when he's working in streaming it's like on TV shows, it's like you know, amazing stories, or that thing he was going to work on for Quibi, or yeah, that's true. Other, and, the, and this is way, a movie-related thing. So. Yeah, and he has a bad track track record of putting his name on TV shows like Terra Nova. But mm, um, yes. yes, okay, let's move on. Let's uh, move on to Marvel for a second. Let's talk about Black Widow, which comes out next month. I think July 9th. Is that correct? That's yeah, so correct. in a couple weeks. And one of the stars of that film, David Harbour, plays the Red Guardian. And ter- like it's Brad, are, are we going to get a Red Guardian prequel movie? I sincerely doubt it. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like the kind of thing that lends itself to what Marvel is doing right now. But at the same time, I mean... It, fans are probably going to love what David Harbour does with with Red Guardian, and David Harbour himself has uh, some hopes um, that there might be a way to do some kind of story that involves uh, clashing with Captain America, because um, apparently there's this uh, big 25-year gap where uh, what Red Guardian was doing is kind of unaccounted for, and so there's a period of time where, like, I guess there, there are some stories he tells about his life, some that are probably more exaggerated than they are real and so david harbour kind of has this like affection for 
you know, how he created these like stories that he believes and that kind of thing. And um, there's, there could be an opportunity where it could be fun to tell a story that maybe isn't true, but it's something that he, you know, created. But at the same time, uh, he likes the idea of kind of digging into these characters kind of being products of, you know, um, war and like uh, a story that might take place like in a Cold War setting where they kind of came up together and were clashing almost like in an arms race between America and Russia. Um, It's possible that this is something that could happen in an alternate uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline. But as it stands, since Captain America was frozen from World War II through roughly just before 2012, when the Avengers came back together, it's not something that can happen in the primary timeline. But what could happen is Red Guardian could clash with the new Captain America, since we have Sam Wilson, uh, who has taken up the mantle. And so there may be an opportunity there to do something where Red Guardian is forced to team up with the new Captain America, because uh, I think the dynamic where Red Guardian, you know, hates anybody in a Captain America suit could be fun if he was forced to work with Captain America. Yeah, I feel like that's probably more likely than them doing a prequel origin story like Harbor is talking about here. And by the way, I'm sure he was asked in an interview, like, would you like to do this? And he's like, sure. Um, But, you know, I I guess Marvel is has a history of that using that de-aging technology. They've used it in a bunch of movies now. They used it in Captain Marvel to great effect. So, I mean, they could use it on David Harbour to make David Harbour look a lot younger and uh, do the Red Guardian story. But I'm just not sure there's... I'm not sure there's a, like... The fans are going to (laughs) be excited for a Red Guardian movie. But I don't know. I I also didn't think fans were going to be excited for, like, you know, a Wanda TV show or... (laughs) I don't know. It seems like Marvel really knows what people want before they want it is what i'm saying i guess um before we have some more marvel stuff to talk about but before we get to that let's talk about fast nine uh that comes out soon uh, is that this friday ben yes it is yeah this friday um and we know that han returns in fast nine because it's all over the marketing uh but apparently this was a huge secret during filming i mean we didn't know anything about it uh ben tell us about the secrecy behind han's return yeah, it sort of sounds like a like a Marvel level of secrecy here. Uh, there's a, a quote from Sung Kang, who plays the character of Han. He was talking to Digital Spy and basically saying that uh, Justin Lin, the director, and Universal, they were like went out of their way to hide him on the set from you know potential photographers and stuff like that. He says uh, there's a lot of cast photos early on. If you look at the, uh, the Fast Nine photos from set, there's all these birthday parties and stuff. I'm never invited. I would see the birthday cakes from afar, but it's part of the fun. It's really cool to be part of that narrative. So I'm sort of sad for Sung Kang, just like that image of him standing on the sidelines while everybody's celebrating and eating birthday cake. And he's just like, you know, kicking the ground and going, oh, shucks, I can't be involved in in this because I can't be photographed on the set. But um, he's actually like so, uh, so secretive about like keeping the the specifics of how Han is able to return. Uh, He he said that basically he he kept the reveal of how exactly Han comes back, quote, very close to my chest. He said, I actually haven't even told my wife. So um, I guess his wife is just curious about how this is going and he's refusing to tell because, you know, he he's taken a page out of your playbook, <laughs> Peter. The uh, the magician never reveals the secrets. Yeah. 
Well, I'm sure he told her I'm going to work on a new Fast and the Furious movie, but oh, like yeah, wouldn't absolutely. reveal the specifics. Yeah. Because because that'd be insane. Like, where where are you going for a couple of weeks? Oh, I can't tell you, honey. And <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, usually, you know, I'm I'm sure actors sign these kind of NDAs all the time, but usually they end up telling their significant other. So. <laughs> I'm sure he's he's doing. I'm sure this is like you know, kind of all in the fun of having his wife eventually seeing it. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, move back to Marvel. Um, there's this quote from Kevin Feige. He was asked, "Could more Marvel superheroes get the Black Widow prequel treatment?" Brad, what did he say? He basically, you know, is never willing to count out anything. So there's no like solid ideas that he's proposing or anything like that. But he said that it's something that they're, you know, clearly open to. Uh, He says, quote, certainly this film and this story is a particular case for Natasha. But the notion of exploring the past, present and future of the MCU is certainly in the cards for all of our characters. This particular story and this particular cast is very personal, very specific to Natasha. So a very diplomatic answer from Kevin Feige that says uh, maybe, sure, no, yes, (laughs) kind of, not really. Um, But, you know, I, I do think that there's it does open the possibility for them, you know, not just to tell stories in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that move forward in time and, you know, keep along with as, you know, obviously time passes in our world, um, but it gives an opportunity to kind of tell older stories or um, parallel stories, you know, fill in gaps that there are in between uh, different franchises and things like that. You know, I mean, uh, Captain Marvel, you know, initially went all the way back to the 90s so that we could, you know, have her properly in Avengers Endgame and know about her before she showed up and, you know, became this big presence that could take on Thanos. And now, you know, we're filling in Black Widow's story with after the events of Avengers Endgame. And so, you know, there's plenty of possibilities out there of ways, you know, to, to tell more stories, bring back characters that fans love without, you know, doing the thing where you bring certain characters back from the dead. Yeah. I mean, well, they are doing that here, but... <laughs> well, I mean, not really. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, I thought we'd use this as a jumping off point because we don't have that m- much much in terms of like big news content to talk about today. And I wanted to get I wanted to run by you guys. What what do you think? Like what could Marvel what characters could Marvel use as a prequel movie if they wanted to? Like and, and what would be a good idea for like I was I was going down the list and it, it, it's really a lot of these characters already have their origin story told in the movies right like so uh tony stark iron man there's there's not really any reason to go back we see his whole origin story um but on the other hand there's you know other characters like uh <laughs> uh bruce banner the hulk we we didn't really get to see his origin story in this version of the marvel cinematic universe well that's not entirely true i mean the we did kind of just not with it just wasn't wasn't with Mark Ruffalo, but yeah. that but that movie is still very much part of the cinematic universe, you know, story. So, but doesn't that even begin after? Wait, I haven't seen that movie in a long, long time. I I forgot that. I, I believe that began when he was already on the run, right? Yeah, it did. I remember the the opening credits sort of like zooms through, uh, you know, a couple of the highlights um, of like him getting injected or whatever whatever yeah. happens, like the, the gamma ray uh, accident and, or, and all of that stuff, so the radiation accident. Um, so yeah, yeah. I just feel, I feel like that's one of those things where like 
you don't necessarily need the <laughs> the origin story. You know, much in the same way that Marvel introduced Spider Man without giving us the origin story, because like, yeah, we we get it. He got bit by a spider and he has spider powers. Let's mm-hmm. let's get it going. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I don't think Spider-Man's one you could even do because I, I can't see them, like, de-aging Tom Holland to <laughs> young. Like, that would just be weird, right? It would it would look it would look like one of those, like, uh, fake, you know. A deep fake? <laughs> deep fake, yeah. Um, I was, I was tra- going through this list of characters. Um, Hawkeye, maybe they could do Hawkeye. That's in the same line of, like, Black Widow, right? And, like, but even had some missions with... Yeah, that's true. They could do a prequel approach to that. But at the same time, they could easily be doing something like that with the TV show if they have flashbacks. Yeah, no, I think you're probably right there. Uh, what about Drax? I feel like the Drax has, I mean, the problem with Drax is you have this backstory that we've learned about his family being killed by Thanos. Yeah. And you already have the conclusion to that. Yeah. So I'm not I think sure. That- I think if there's any Guardians who you could easily make a movie out of, it's Rocket and Groot and following any adventures they might have had before they met, you know, Star-Lord and Gamora and all them. So would you do that together? Well, they were – were they together before the events of Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, I, yeah, they, yeah, were, yeah. yeah they, were, they were already a team. Yeah, so you could do Rocket and Groot. That would be great, but do you think Marvel would – would that be strange doing a movie that the two main characters are completely CG? I mean, I, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, a- a- Avatar is a movie where all the characters yeah. are entirely CG. Uh, you know, speaking of Avatar, what about Gamora? Because Gamora is, well, first of all, she's played by an actress who is responsible for some of the biggest, or not responsible, I, I want to say responsible. She's in some of the biggest box office hits of all time. So making a Gamora movie on the surface, if you were a movie executive just looking at, you know, a list of films that an an actor or actress has done and how much money they've brought in, that sounds like a no-brainer. But I actually uh, think there could be something there with Gamora and Nebula and, and Thanos. Like there could be I think something already, to that. I think they've already covered enough of that in yeah. the, the Guardians movies and the Avengers movies. You know, we've gotten a taste of her and Nebula's sisterhood and they, they, they that whole thing had an arc. And then there was even, there's an arc as far as how much she has, hates Thanos and her origin is a child. So probably not. Yeah, that's kind of the problem with prequels in general, right? Like that's the yeah. that's the thing is like, you know, there's so much of it that we already know or that like, you know, if you look at something like Solo, a Star Wars story where it's just like it fills in information that we didn't need to know. Um, so I, I wrote down a few things here, Peter, that are more. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I don't know what you would want to call more it. More realistic? Esoteric. Okay. No, more, more ridiculous, really. Um, <laughs> like, like something that Disney would never actually or Disney and Marvel would never actually greenlight, but stuff that I want to see anyway. Um, that's sort of like, you know, if there has to be a prequel, this is the kind of stuff that I want to see. So like a Jeff Goldblum grandmaster project or like, how did he come to be the ruler of, you know, what was that planet? Sakaar. Uh, Sakaar, yes. Um <laughs> So, you know, that's one of those things that like uh, his rise, I I don't think would give too many opportunities for them to sort of wink at the camera and be like, hey, see, like, remember this part from Thor Ragnarok? Here's exactly how (laughs) Jeff Goldblum got the crazy robe that he wears or whatever. Like, you know, there there doesn't seem to be a lot of opportunities for that. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. Something that that uh, it has minimized the amount of, um, of potential annoyances. <laughs> um, so maybe something like that. Uh, I was thinking of the, the character uh, Trevor Slattery, <laughs> which is um, Ben <laughs> Kingsley's character from Iron Man 3. 
Oh, where, the, the actor. Yeah, so this would basically just be like a, a low-key drama, a movie about like a guy who's a really great <laughs> actor. Um, and maybe he he's in, you know, a couple of off-Broadway off shows where he's like really great, really blowing people away, but like he has this drug addiction, which, hold, which is holding him back from, from hitting that next level and becoming like a, a worldwide recognizable actor. And then maybe something happens where, uh, where Guy Pierce's character at the end of the movie like uh, sees him in a show and then ends up hiring him to become <laughs> a stand-in for the mandarin or something oh like. it, could, it, Just, could, it could be about him trying to make a movie about what happened in iron man 3 oh there we go and okay so that wouldn't be a prequel but that would be a really cool like uh sort of off off branch continuation kind of thing mm. i like that ben you just named two wildly different characters that i didn't even think about did not even occur to me i have two more peter if you okay, want to run through them yes, real quick yes. um so one of them is a, a movie about roman day i think that's how you pronounce his character that's john c Riley's uh novacore detective or character from uh, from guardians of the galaxy because isn't he just like a space cop basically yeah. i feel like yeah. he could have like a cool like uh like just a hard-boiled detective story with John C. Riley trying to track a criminal across the underworld of Xandar or something. I feel like there's there could be something there that has nothing to do with the with tying into the events that we've seen him, you know, portrayed in. Yeah, a Novacore series actually could be pretty cool. Yeah, and then the last one is uh, is an Adrian Toomes movie, um, bringing <laughs> Michael Keaton back from Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, and this would, again, just be like a blue-collar drama about a guy trying to run a business, like a salvage yard in New York City. Because I think that's like one of the big things about that we've learned over the past <laughs> 10 years or something is like, you know, uh, the middle, you know, mid-budget, mid-range movies have gone away uh, in favor of super micro-budget stuff or a lot of superhero stuff. But one way to um, sort of explore the type of territory that used to be frequently explored in the 80s, 90s, and whatever is to slap a little bit of superhero sheen on something. So if you like say that this is a vulture prequel, <laughs> you can sort of hide that, at, you know, as long as it has a little bit of that in the marketing or something, you can kind of like sneak your way into something that is more akin to, you know, just a Michael Keaton movie that would have been made in 1993 or something. Um, so I, I would kind of love that. Just a, a movie about a guy trying to run a salvage yard in New York City and like raise a family. And there's like almost no reference whatsoever to any superhero yeah. stuff at all. Him trying to deal with the uh, cleaning up the Battle of New York and I, yeah, getting like permits from the city and stuff, just like t- you know, having having, meeting, having meetings with his daughter's teachers. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> I would love that. I would genuinely love to see Michael Keaton do something like that. Ben, I'd watch every one of these movies, but I don't think <laughs> Disney has any interest. Actually, maybe the Nova Corp. Uh, like, I, I could see that as like a Disney Plus TV series. I could totally yeah. see that working. Uh, Brad, did you have any ideas for some Marvel prequel movies or TV series? Yeah, so I think this one probably lends itself more to a TV series, and it's it kind of fits the same mold as Black Widow, because even though we have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series right now, there's a lot of time in Bucky's past while Cap was frozen, but he was still active as um, you know an assassin, that you can tell so many stories across different decades featuring Bucky as the Winter Soldier carrying out various missions and things like that. You could probably have him encounter some of like the, you know, lower tier Marvel villains that you know normally might oh. fight against Captain America, but he has to deal with at, at certain times. And I, honestly, 
this actually could be a way for David Harbour to kind of get a little bit of what he wants because maybe you could have Red Guardian and Winter Soldier be at odds at some point in the series too. I didn't even think of Bucky because I was like, he's part of, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier. But there is a lot of years there that you could explore. I'm just not sure if there's an arc. Do you know what I mean? Like, because we, you couldn't go up till the point where he is turned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, anything else, Brad? Do you have any other ideas? Uh, the the uh, Rocket and Groot one was the one that I would. Rocket and Groot, yeah. yeah. I, that, I think that would be a lot of fun. No, I think that could be a lot of fun. Uh, one that was on my list. And by the way, I made this list. Actually, we could even combine that idea with Ben's and we could it could be like uh, Rocket and Groot with Novacore <laughs> and it can be like an Adventures of Rock and Bullwheel kind of series where <laughs> Novacore is always after Rocket and Groot and Rocket and Groot are always evading them. <laughs> I love that. It's very Looney Tunes. Um, no, it's funny. Ben made this list of the movies he wanted to see or he would like to see out of this. And I just made a list of like the things I thought like maybe could happen and not necessarily things I want. So I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm on like my ideas are like on the other side of the fence. But uh, a Nick Fury prequel movie or TV series, I think it's like a no brainer. But could you do that without Samuel L. Jackson? Do you do it with the DH Samuel L. Jackson? Well, and plus we kind of kind of got some of that in a way with Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> uh, is there anything to do with like Peter Quill and Star Lord? I mean, I guess you could do the the adventures of him with um, yeah, like young Star Lord with with Yondu and the Red Yondu, Richard. yeah. But then you don't have, then you don't have Chris. So is that, or do you have Chris? I don't know. It becomes weird now that like every all this digital de aging because how how far can you go with that? It could be interesting to do it with like if you want to gear it towards like a younger audience. If you do it with a kid actor, like a teenage yeah. Peter Quill, like learning the ropes and like encountering all <laughs> these crazy things in space. Um, here's one, Valkyrie. I think you could very well do a Valkyrie movie that starts off showing her origin and then take you know go throughout the movie then goes towards like where we are now yeah and it could get into that relationship that was supposed to be cut from uh from thor ragnarok that would be a good way to sort of make good on uh on the last second cut from there yeah here's one that is going to make you hate me but i'm, I'm going to bring it up anyways but the the sharon carter movie <laughs> So she she was Agent 13. I'm not going to ruin Falcon and Winter Soldier, but she has a big part in that. And uh, I don't know. It feels like they're building her up for something. Maybe it's the future of the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV series. But uh, she's been through a lot of stuff, and they're not they haven't really explained it. So maybe there's something there. But um, the the one I did want to propose to you guys, which I think is kind of like your Novacore idea, was Jimmy Woo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would watch a show or a movie starring Jimmy Woo. Would anybody else? Probably not, but but I'm in. That would be fun. Yeah. What about Wong? Like, are there any sorcery-related mishaps mm. that maybe needed his attention right before Stephen Strange rolled up? I feel like Benedict Wong could, could do a good job holding down the fort there. You know what's funny is I was going through, like, the list of characters on Wikipedia, the MCU main characters, like they they have this whole Wikipedia page, and Wong was included in like the main characters, 
And oh. then, then you get to like supporting characters and like ancient one. I'm like, wait, so Wong is a main character, but the ancient one <laughs> and also like, you maybe know, Peggy Carter and yeah, maybe Bill it's Coulson. because Wong appeared like it, in more like movies than the ancient one did, I guess. Yeah. Like you had that line like right before the or right around the Avengers Assemble part and the battle of, uh, of oh, yeah. Earth or whatever. So yeah. maybe that sort of elevated his character or something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we do know that we're getting a Wakanda TV series. We don't know what that is about, but maybe that could be... Actually, didn't we already theorize? Wasn't there like a rumor that it was going to be a a prequel for... Who was it? Koye, I think? Maybe? Am you I know, misremembering this? No, that was that was that was a recent story. Yeah, because and we talked about how it might deal with like the origins of the the Dora Milaje and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So that that could be interesting. But I yeah, there isn't a lot of room for prequel things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because usually usually they show the origin story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I didn't mention uh, Nakia, which is. Um... I think Lupita Nyong'o's character in, in Black Panther because oh, yeah. there's that Wakanda show that you're talking about. And I'm not sure exactly what the scope of that's going to be, but yeah, her, her backstory sounds super cool. Like, you know, there seems to be tons of, um, of ground to, uh, to whatever, uh, of, of stuff to mine there. Um, if they wanted to do that, but I'm just not sure, like maybe that's part of the plan or something is flashbacks or who knows, but. I feel like as a, as a huge fan of guardians of the galaxy, the two that are, Sticking out to me the most is the Rocket and Groot, like movie, or the Nova Corp, <laughs> because I just want to explore more of the Guardians universe and spend more time in there. And it's actually kind of sad that you know there's going to be this Christmas special and then it's going to be a third movie and that's it, according to yeah. James Gunn for now until mm-hmm. he needs money, <laughs> until Marvel decides otherwise. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. I think we came up with a good list. I want to know if, if you out there that is listening to this podcast, yes, I'm talking about you. Did you have any ideas that we overlooked? Was there any Marvel characters that deserve their own prequel film or TV shows? Let us know. Send us an email at peter at slash Uh You can find more of all of our work at slash You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.